Good evening. This is Josh, and this is Brighter Evening. Tonight we're going to talk about something a little bit interesting. We're going to talk about how we count votes. This is a topic I've been thinking about for quite some time and have done quite a lot of reading on. And while it may sound like something that's simple, it's not. A number of years ago, I worked at a company and we were uh, talking about the new types of insurance, new insurance plans. And it was a small company. We weren't sure if we would have one or two new insurance plans available uh, for the, the employees. So the employees had a vote on which plan they wanted, and they were supposed to specify a second option. And the second option go if we were able to select two when we finalized our contract with the insurance carrier. Now, interestingly, the initial vote went fine. There was a clear majority. But in the secondary vote, there was a bit of a tie. And the discussion slowly degraded. Then all at once, it became a shouting match. There were a lot of people in the room trying to explain things. The, the owner of the company, the boss, he wanted to change the way the vote was counted versus the person who had been conducting it. And what we found was that there was no consensus and there was a lot of argument because the process had become illegitimate to everyone. At some point, got everyone to quiet down and get back on track. That's really what got me interested in how you count votes. For the next uh, time we had an, a, a sort of voting system in that company, it was for a slogan contest, and we had more candidates than we did people voting, which is an unusual situation. In this case, we had uh, f about five slogans per person or something like that. Most people had submitted some, and uh, a little over a dozen people that were voting, maybe two dozen. Um, again, it was a small company. So for that, I actually spent quite a lot of time thinking about how to conduct the vote in a way that wouldn't give rise to people claiming that there were uh, shenanigans, legitimacies, because people wanted to win the gift card, whatever it was. I think it was $50 or something for some restaurant. But that's what it was. Um, we had to come up with a voting system, so I spent quite a while thinking about it and came up with a multi-stage voting system where in each stage fewer candidates, fewer slogans made it into the next round. And by and large it ran much more smoothly because it was a well-planned process. So that's something that's been on my mind for quite some time. And as I've come across some of the different um, writings people have out there, I found that there are some differences of opinion on the best way to vote. Let's talk about voting in the political sense, and I want to take you back to the year 2000. Uh, if you remember, you know you had bands like Smash Mouth out there playing, and and uh, you know everyone was excited because it was the new millennium, and we had a presidential election that year. George W. Bush and Al Gore were competing to become president. Now I don't think it's any mystery to just about anyone that there was a recount in Florida. Um, and in all the recounts, George Bush came ahead by a handful of votes. Um, the fourth recount had George Bush winning by 537 votes. It was pretty contentious, and uh, of course, famously, it ended with a Supreme Court case um, fav favoring George W. Bush. But interestingly, Ralph Nader was on the ballot in Florida. And Ralph Nader actually received 97,421 votes. Now, what's interesting about that is that Ralph Nader was certainly far more liberal than George Bush, 
And one would assume the typical Ralph Nader voter would have been someone who would be more likely to vote for Al Gore than for George W. Bush. Um, that would give us something, some, some sense that there's this idea that had Ralph Nader not been on the ballot, maybe Al Gore would have won the state. And of course, in, in the Electoral College system that year, winning Florida meant winning the presidency because it was uh, within 25 electoral votes, which I, if I remember correctly was the number of votes that Florida had. So of those 97,000, um, there were some polls done. About 40% would have preferred, I think maybe 44% would have preferred Al Gore. Uh, maybe 20-some percent would have preferred George W. Bush. And then there's a bunch that said, well, if there was no Nader, I wouldn't have voted. Um, that accounts for maybe 40,000 votes that would have gone to Al Gore. Um, you know, something like 20,000 that would have gone to Bush, and then the rest probably would have gone to other third-party candidates. If that's true then Al Gore would have been elected president if Ralph Nader weren't on the ballot. And that takes us to the idea of a spoiler in elections. Um, this sort of result where a third party comes in that people like a third candidate, but his presence actually hurts the candidates you would prefer, seems to be a pretty big flaw in our system. In 1951, Kenneth Arrow published his book, social choice, and individual values. In it, he provided a theorem that shows that ranked voting is going to run into problems with more than two candidates. So, ranked voting is any voting where you give a strict ranking of preference of your candidate. In the typical American election system, although this is not the case in every jurisdiction, we use first-past-the-post voting, which is a really simple form of ranked voting where you rank one candidate that you like, and you rank all the others as ones you don't like. You get to choose one candidate. Um, and first-past-the-post first voting is one example of this, but there are others. Um, Arrow's impossibility theorem is a theorem that shows that any ranked voting system is going to run into problems. So we have first-past-the-post. We have another system called ranked choice voting. Um, where you order your your candidates in order of how much you like them. So, you know, first, second, third, fourth place, things like that. Um, and the impossibility theorem, theorem says that there are three things that can't be avoided. One is spoiler votes. Um, this is, you know, everybody who likes, you know, candidate A over candidate B you know, if that's the case, will the whole group. So in other words, you have um, Alice, Bob, and Charlie that are running in this election, and all candidates like Alice over Bob, but some people like Charlie more than Alice. Does that mean that Alice is going to win if Charlie has a small contingent of voters, right? So in this case, that's Ralph Nader. A small number of people like Ralph Nader, but maybe more people in Florida would have liked Al Gore over George W. Bush. So you had this spoiler effect. Um, there's the, the dictator problem, or what I call moderate come dictators, where you've got a very polarized voting block. Let's say, for example, you have 49.5% conservatives and 49.5% liberals, and you have 1% moderates. In that case, you might end up with this 
the situation where 1% of the voting bloc or one individual voter or something like that ends up deciding the election. And that's not too far from what happens, I think, in a lot of American elections. And the other one is something I'll call third-party scandals. So this is sort of like a spoiler, but it's a little bit different. In this case, um, the you've got the top two candidates, Alice and Bob, but something happens with Charlie. And because of that, people's feelings about Charlie changes, that can change the outcome of the election. So any ranked voting system is going to have this idea of a spoiler effect, a spoiler mixed with a, a scandal so that you know the, the feelings about this third candidate changes the results, even though you have a first and second candidate who haven't changed, and this possibility of these sort of dictator voters. And so there's some common voting systems, right, that, that are in use uh, today in a lot of countries. Um, there's first past the post. This is what we use in the United States. Um, obviously, we've seen the spoiler problem and some of these other problems, right? We have a lot of polarization in it. Moderates tend to really push things. That's why we have the concept of swing states. Uh, we also have ranked choice voting or instant runoff voting. It, it goes by a few different names. Uh, some people call it alternative vote. Alternative vote. I think that's a bit presumptuous because there's a lot of alternative ways to vote, um, but it, it's kind of the one that came first. Uh, it's in use, actually, actively in a lot of countries. Um, Australia does it nationally, Fiji, New Zealand, both Ireland's do it, and there's actually a few U.S. localities that have done it for certain elections. But those aren't the only two. Um, and I should talk a little bit about what when we define first past the post and ranked voting and how those work. So first past the post is just simply whoever's the first to get a majority or a plurality, depending on your environment. A plurality is just the most votes, even if it's not 50%. Um, it's a very simple way to vote, um, and it's pretty common in simple simple types of elections, right? Everyone expresses a preference, the winner wins. Uh, ranked choice voting is a little bit more complicated than that, or maybe a lot more complicated than that, you express a first, second, and say third choice, or fourth choice, or tenth choice, however many choices you have, you rank them in order. And after you do that, you say, okay, I'm going to take my first choice and my second choice, and they're going to go add up all the votes. And if there's a majority of first from the first place, whatever people voted, that's fine. That person wins. If there's not a majority, you take off the bottom votes and you give them to the, the the next highest and so you kind of move the votes from the bottom up and you do that until a majority is found right so in this case you know if if Charlie was the least popular then uh, his votes would would sort of move up to the uh, I guess the second place of the people right their second choice um, so it's a somewhat complicated system. Uh, there's some other voting systems that exist. There's the Borda system. So this is ranked choice, but you add a little addition in there. So again, you rank people first, second, third, fourth, and in this case, you add up everyone's ranking. So if Alice is first for me, she gets a one, and if she's third for you, she gets a three, and if we're the only two voters, then her score is four. And let's say that Bob's total score is six. The person who has the lowest uh, score wins, right? Because it's the lowest rank. They they got ranked first by more people on average. Um, another common system is the Condorcet method. Um, 
it's it's got a, a for some reason to me at least a kind of difficult sounding name and it's a very difficult system to to enact at least uh, manually and the way it works is you take the election and you kind of do a runoff election between each individual pair of candidates so Alice versus Bob Bob versus Charlie Alice versus Charlie and you see if anyone would win all of those elections and whoever would win all the elections wins so that that works pretty well it's fairly fair however there's some some problems with it and it's it's a little complicated to understand so if you've got a lot of uh, candidates you know, five, six, seven candidates running these pairs is going to be pretty complicated. If we're in a national presidential election, I think we'd pretty easily find that one of the two major parties would win, at least today. Um, there's the Buckland voting method, uh, also called the Grand Junction method. And, you know, Grand Junction, I don't think it's a very big city, but it's a city I think just about everyone's heard of. So, you know, that's got something going for it, right? Uh, so, you rank your choices, first, second, third, and if you have a majority, you stop. If not, then you're going to add the next lowest level of preference. So you just – you and so it's, it, with the regular um, instant runoff elections, you go from the bottom and move up. In this one, you go, okay, well, we don't have a majority yet. We're going to add in people's second choices and see. And we just keep doing that until we get a majority, right? It's another one of these that goes one after another. Um, there's another one called approval voting. This is a really simple one. It's just like what you would do with first past the post. You choose a candidate, but you can choose more than one candidate. So let's say that, for example, um, you've got um, Alice, Bob, Charlie, and Dan. Maybe you vote for Alice and Dan because those are the two that you like. You're allowed to do that. If you like all the candidates, you could vote for all of them. If you like one of the candidates, you could vote for just Alice because she's great. You could vote for three of them. You know, you can you can do whatever you want with approval voting. You just choose who you approve. Um, so the scoring system there is very simple. It's just who got the most approvals, who got the highest number of votes. So it's like first past the post, except you add in a um, you you are allowed to vote for more than one person. You add in one one extra little thing there. Uh, counting it, of course, is pretty easy. Score voting. Um, it's similar to approval voting. A lot of articles will say that it's a subset of approval voting. Um, but the way it works, it's like an Amazon or a Yelp review or one of those where you give your candidate some number of stars, five stars, three stars, one star. Um, you know, there's some variants of it where you can choose to vote, choose to not vote. Um, in any event, the idea is by doing that, you're able to express a little bit more information than strict approval voting. So you can say, this is my five-star candidate. You know, I really like Alice, but Charlie is my three-star candidate and I'm not going to vote or I'm going to give one star to the other other two candidates that we have. And that way um, you're able to express a little bit more information about your preferences. And then the winner is just selected by taking the totals. So you, you add everything up and, you know, if you got a, gave Alice a five-star and I gave her a four-star, then she gets nine nine stars and that's kind of total it probably wouldn't be stars on an actual ballot but I, I'd like it if it were all right so what makes a good voting system so we've talked about some of these voting systems and I think the the key things are in my mind around legitimacy right going back to that story I told at the beginning where we had this big argument 
during a meeting and it was it was like seven at night right it was eight at night like this is an after hours meeting so people were really passionately arguing here enough that they're willing to stay even later on a on a weeknight right they could have been at home watching tv or being with their families or doing whatever they do but they're willing to stay late to to have this conversation so we want to have legitimacy we don't want to have these sort of arguments disagreements um we want to make sure we can avoid or at least make rare the problems that Kenneth Arrow described, right? Again, those are the spoiler effect, the dictator effect, and the, you know, kind of switching opinions on the spoiler effect. Now, those have other names. Those are the ones I'm going to use because I think they're a little bit easier to understand. Um, I think it's important that the system is able to be counted manually. You can take in a group of untrained citizens, give them a few simple rules, and they can count the votes. Because that lends to legitimacy, right? It's not just the parties reviewing it, but even so, right? Even if you have a political party present at the polls to count votes, most of the people in the political parties aren't going to be trained vote monitors. They're not going to know a lot about how votes are supposed to be conducted. So providing them with that sort of uh, simple system, I think, is very important. And I also think really to improve legitimacy, you need to have it be simple to understand. The more complicated it is to explain, the more likely it is that the average voter is not going to trust it. So how do these systems stack up? Well, first let's talk about first past the post. Um, that's one we have today in the United States. It's a very common one in general. The spoiler problem is very common, right? Every time you say, hey, you know what, I'm, I'm going to vote for Nader, or I'm going to vote Libertarian, or I'm going to vote for this third party that I like, someone's immediately going to say, don't throw your vote away, or, oh, if you do that, you're going to make that guy win. Right? So, super common. Everyone understands it. People have to vote very strategically around it. Um, the benefits are, it's super easy to explain. We just add it up and see who won, right? Who had the highest number. And manual counting is also very easy dangling chads in Florida notwithstanding, as long as you can clearly see if a voter voted a certain way, you can count it. Ranked choice very much reduces the chance of a spoiler. Um, this is because you have the ability to get put your preference of, yeah, my number one choice is this guy, but my second choice is that guy, right? And, and you know, your fourth choice, they're going to get taken away probably, or at least the average fourth choice, fifth choice, whatever it is. I would argue that counting here is actually fairly hard uh, because you have to, you have to go through multiple rounds of counting and move votes around. Um, it's a little complicated to understand. I think it's certainly a lot more complicated than first past the post, right? So that, that's, uh, you know, kind of a, a legitimacy question. I don't think it's terrible. Like like I said, there are countries that are doing it. Um, and it would probably be an improvement. It, it, it can lead to some situations where you get some weird results that end up making someone who is less popular, didn't get as many votes, to become the winner. So this is a situation where as you start subtracting votes away and, and moving them around that, you know, someone who got less percentage of the vote wasn't wasn't the one people really wanted. They can end up being there, so it can have a, a, some some potential problems in expressing voter choice correctly. Um, there's Borda. It actually has a reverse spoiler effect. So in this case, the way it works is you've got a um, let's say an extreme candidate who's 
extremely in favor of some policy, right? Uh, you know, we could say they're extremely far left or extremely far right, and then you've got two more moderate left and right candidates. And this extreme candidate, if they move closer to the other moderate, they're going to end up taking votes away from the moderate. And even even if the that side of the aisle, that, that side of the election is going to win, it's going to pull people over to the the least popular side, right? Because the votes end up getting split between you know, whichever side has this candidate that moved to become more moderate. So it's it's a kind of a weird reverse spoiler uh, effect. Counting is a little bit harder than first past the post, but it's pretty easy to understand. Um, you know, you're just you're just adding up people's rankings and scoring it like golf. Um, Condorcet, this thing has a really big problem if you're only doing a single election. And that is, it's possible that you'll end up in a rock, paper, scissors situation where uh, rock beats scissors, scissors beats paper, paper beats rock, right? A beats B, B beats C, C beats A. When that happens, that's a cycle. You can't determine a winner with Condorcet. Um, and th- this is this is, could be okay. It could mean that the electorate really hasn't found a, a full expression of preference. And so you want to run the election again. And for some environments, that may make sense. But for a general political election, it's probably not an ideal situation. So other problems with this, it's pretty difficult to explain because you're running these simulated elections, right? And you have to see, well, would, would Alice beat Bob? And would Bob beat Charlie? And what about Charlie and Dan and Dan and Alice? Right, that's that's a little bit hard to do. It's certainly hard to count because uh, you know you've got to you've got to go run counts multiple times. It's error prone. So if you're going to do it manually, it's difficult. Um, there's the the Schulz method, which is a a variant of this, which gets to crazy levels of difficulty. There's a version of Condor set that is computationally infeasible. Like if you take a modern computer, modern desktop class computer. It can't finish it in several days if you end up with somewhere around 40 candidates. So 40 candidates is a lot, and it's it's probably not a problem in practice, but there are variants of this that are incredibly complicated and don't make a lot of sense. Um, there's the Buck... So moving on to the Buckland method, um, if the majority likes a group of candidates, um, one member of that group will be a winner. So that's a, a positive thing, right? If... The majority of people like A, B, and C, but the majority don't like D, E, or F. Someone from A, B, or C will be the winner. So that's a fairly big positive. I'd call counting medium difficulty in Buckland. It's it's you know kind of a, a similar to rank choice, but not not super crazy. Um, it has been used in many elections in the United States for things like primaries. Um, that, that's actually why it's called the Grand Junction method because Buckland was from Grand Junction and he promoted this. This is kind of a progressive era idea when we're trying out different types of voting systems and, and different things. Um, unfortunately for the Buckland method, it's been found unconstitutional in several circumstances and I would not recommend going for it if, if we know that there's a good chance it's not going to be found constitutional. Um, I'd say that the Buckland method is about uh, medium difficulty. So, all of first past the post, ranked choice, Borda, Condorcet, and Buckland are all ranked voting techniques. But when we get to approval voting and score voting, we're no longer talking about ranked voting. 
which means that the arrow impossibility theorem doesn't apply. And that's important because it means that we can get away from at least three of those problems. Right? We can get away from the spoiler and the dictator and the reverse spoiler, or the, uh, the, the scandal spoiler, right? We just have to see, can it be counted manually, and is it easy to understand? So I think, first of all, approval voting is super easy to understand. You just vote for as many people as you think would do a good job, and you turn it in. And then counting it is super easy to do, because you just count how many votes each person got. Winner's the winner. You might need to have some tie method, right? Some tiebreaker if people get the exact same number. But that's no different than first past the post, and, and we found that there are are ways to do that sort of thing. Um, typically they are some kind of political process or a coin flip, something along those lines. Um, score voting, it's pretty similar. Uh, counting is a little bit harder than approval voting, but it's definitely not any harder than Borda. Um, it's about the same counting method as Borda, just a different scoring system and, and some different rules associated with it. Um, it still gets away from that arrow impossibility stuff. There's no minority dictators. There's no spoiler effect. Um, I don't think it's too hard to explain, right? Especially in, in an era where people are used to ranking things on Amazon and Yelp and every kind of review site that they go to. Probably the biggest downside to score voting is that people might feel like they need to distribute their votes to express themselves by turning, you know, rank ordering people which, at least for some people, would turn it into a board of vote, which, like we said, um, has some, some unfortunate behaviors. So that's, that's kind of a question of how people vote strategically or how they psychologically view the vote, and I don't think that's something we would fully know unless we saw this in wide-scale use. There's also a few other voting systems that are out there that I'm not talking about here because they don't apply to general elections. Um, the most interesting one for me was uh, quadratic voting, which is really useful in boardroom type settings if you're trying to do a shareholder vote. What it does is it distributes the voting authority as a function of the number of shares, but it's a quadratic function. You get the square root, so if you've got four shares, you get two votes. If you have one share, you get one vote. If you have two votes or two shares, you get the square root of two votes or around one. If you have you know, 400, you get the square root of 400, right? So it it gives the major, minority shareholders additional power over the majority shareholders with the idea being that large institutional investors probably are either just holding their assets or they're looking to do some kind of takeover. And so it gives the smaller shareholder a possibility of fighting against hostile takeovers. Uh, it's an interesting idea. And there's, there's some academic stuff out there. There's other voting systems. If you go and start searching on Wikipedia, you'll actually find that there's a lot of these voting systems out there um, that are variants on Conversat or on um, Instant Runoff or these different formats. Some are kind of their own system, like the quadratic voting. And a lot of them have different properties that they express. So I guess the end question is, where do I fall? In general, I'm in favor of electoral reform, making the process simpler, uh, making it more fair and better expressing the population's desire for who should win an election. Um, I think that a lot of these systems would be an improvement over first past the post. But if I have to pick one, I'm going to pick approval voting. Um, as I as I studied it, it was the first one that just really clicked with me. It's not really a variant, a, a big change on what we're doing today. 
In fact, you could use the same ballots and just change the text, right? Select as many candidates as you think would do a good job. Well, yeah, you know, I think that Alice and Bob are both great people. I don't like Charlie, though, so we're going to leave him off of it. I think that's a simple way to go. Um, it it gives everyone an opportunity to vote as much as they, they want, and it gets rid of the spoiler effect. Would that have changed the outcome in some recent elections? Certainly would. But you could imagine it could change the the entire makeup of the candidates themselves. Because once you start getting approval voting, people start looking at third parties that are more towards issues that they like, that are maybe more moderate, maybe more extreme. You get more opportunity for people to express which party they like, and you're start, going to start to see more candidates that you know change either change their positions or their positions that they have cause them to run because they find that there's some something driving them, right? There's some, some support and some basis for them, and they can make a good showing even if they're not aligned with one of the major parties necessarily. I would also imagine, although I don't have any evidence for it, that it would probably reduce the level of polarization because now you can express a little bit more. You wouldn't have um, as much of a need for splitting out the parties and splitting out as much as they do today. Now, whether or not that's in the interest of the existing political parties, I'll leave you to decide. I hope that this dive into elections and the different ways they can be conducted has been eye-opening for you, that you've learned something from it, and that you'll consider what that means to you and, and who you'd vote for and how you want things to happen. My name is Josh, and I hope I've made your evening brighter.